Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome into the Inside Carolina Game Plan Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Johnny T-shirt sweatshirts right now. It's cold outside. It's going to be cold Saturday in Keenan Stadium. Greg, Carolina and Georgia Tech, 5.30. Um, turns out they've played at 5.30 like four or five other times, which I've totally blocked out. But overall thoughts going into this one. A lot of folks don't think it's going to be much of one. I agree with those people. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't be much of one. Um, and we, can, we can dive into why. Uh, I have gotten a lot of questions about the 5.30 start time. And as we talk about all the time in football and basketball, it's all about TV. That's it. And the funny thing about it is the game that has, eh, I would say nothing to do with Carolina uh, is the reason the dominoes fell. But in actuality, when you talk about the college football playoffs, kind of does matter. It's the USC at UCLA game. And just to kind of give you a brief snippet, I won't dive into the whole complex thing. But Fox has the rights to that game. They put it at 8 o'clock. And in the contract, a Disney-owned property, i.e. ESPN, is not allowed to put another Pac-12 game during that time slot. And so what happened was they had to reconfigure their entire setup. And so now I think the Oregon State-Arizona State game uh, is at 2.15 p.m. So, like, what is that, 11.15 a.m. local time? Uh, and because of that, they're able to stack on top of that. And uh, Carolina Tech got to 5.30. I guess Alabama, Birmingham, LSU's afterwards at 9. So, it's all TV, Tommy. It's all TV. It is all TV, A. It provides us uh, with a way to watch games. And thank goodness for a mute button on some of things. You guys check out the chat. Look at people coming through. Uh, Gulf Breeze, Florida. Is that near? Um, Pensacola, Mobile, P- 
Pass Christiane, I ask, because if anybody's near Pass Christiane, I guess Mississippi, I've got a gift certificate from a restaurant down there that I can't use, and it doesn't expire until next year. I'd love to send it to somebody. It's like 50 bucks. Jason Staples, what it is, man? I mean, I, I, we could do a pretty short game plan today because I agree with Greg that this is, uh, this, this game should not be close. It shouldn't. Could it be? If you, you know, fool around enough and you turn the ball over and, you know, bust assignments and all of that, then it could be. But th- this, this is not a good Georgia Tech team at this stage. It wasn't a good Georgia Tech team before the, before the beginning of the season. And now with Jeff Sims pulling out, you know, ready to enter the transfer portal at the end of the, uh, at the end of the year, you know, he's rehabbing and preparing for the transfer portal. That's a completely like that team, that team's toothless at this point on offense. And they're going to need to score points. Cause I don't think that defense is going to be able to stop Carolina either. So, so, so let's talk about this. Let's, let's spin it then to get some, uh, some interest. Drake may is playing for a Heisman trophy. Carolina is playing for a playoff berth. Greg, what does Drake May need to do before, um, hopefully for his sake, getting a little bit of rest late in this game? I I mean, how do you sort of uh, mesh, slowly mesh, wrong week, my bad. How how do you blend the fact that you want to win big, but you also want your quarterback to get some numbers? Well, Mac Brown has has been – pretty upfront for years now and saying that uh, he doesn't take anything for granted and he wants to make sure that a game is well in hand before he thinks about benching anybody. Uh, case in point, look at the Virginia Tech game. North Carolina was up 41 to 10 in the fourth quarter of that game and Mac Brown sends Drake May out for another series. So if people are worried that Carolina blows this game wide open as they should, early in the third quarter and in comes Jacoby Criswell, uh, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I think uh, – didn't C.J. Stroud throw a 75-yard touchdown pass when they were up 42 to something odd last week? I mean, is Mac that type here? Uh, yep. Probably. I mean, I yep. think the crazy thing going through the Virginia Tech uh, play-by-play is that Drake was running the ball with Carolina. That's the, that really bothered me too. <laughs> Um, you know, it, I don't think Drake playing is going to be an issue. I think he's going to get plenty of snaps. Um, and if Carolina ends up blowing out Georgia Tech, then his stats will look good. And he just needs to keep keep stockpiling numbers of the way that he's been doing. I think more than anything, what North Carolina needs uh, is is they need a strong, dominant performance. Yeah, Tommy, we talked uh, earlier this week with Bud Elliott on the next level that the playoff committee uh, has talked a lot about they want teams to have good balance, which is an area where Carolina has really struggled this year with a great offense and a subpar defense. Uh, But they also want dominance, and they want teams that are able to blow out teams who are inferior. Uh, Give credit. To North Carolina for being 9-1, and only the fourth time since 1980. Incredible. Better than anybody could have hoped. But they also have six wins by seven points or less. So they really are scraping by and getting things to fall in line. So credit to them for that. The Virginia Tech game's really been the only one that's been dominant. So this is an opportunity, probably more so than the NC State game, for Carolina to smack Georgia Tech early, 
take an impressive early lead and not just coast, but close strong. Maybe you're not throwing 75-yard bombs like OSU did when you're up by 40. Uh, but really make this very similar to that Virginia Tech game to make the committee say, okay, we, we've kind of been dogging on Carolina. They finally came through with a dominant win against, yes, it's, it's not a good team, but it is a Power 5 team. Let's see what happens next week when they close out the regular season against NC State. That's kind of what you're trying to do. You're trying to get the committee's attention. Where's the balance for you, Jason? I mean, you said you were bothered by Drake running the ball against Virginia Tech late. Where's the balance here? To me, once the game's in hand in this situation, you know, late in the third quarter, I, I if this game is 42 to 10 going into the fourth quarter, I wouldn't want to see Drake May. If it's 42 to 10, he's probably got four or five touchdowns already. If he's, yeah, exactly. And at that point, I don't see what good you do keeping him on the field. He doesn't need to get, you know, more polished, you know, to knock the rust off or something in that quarter. And to me, you're, you're risking somebody taking a shot at him. You're risking him, you know, not, not going down on a slide or you're, you know, there's just so many things at that stage where it's the chippy part of the game to begin with. And I just don't, I don't see any, I don't see a whole lot of good in there. So I, I'm all my, my view on that. I'm all about keep throwing the ball, keep running your offense. You know, I, I you know, I, I, I fall in the Steve Spurrier school of it's their job to stop you. <laughs> but yep. I believe in doing that with your twos. Once you get to a certain point in the game, because that helps build your depth, get your twos and threes in there and build your depth. And you know what? If you give up a score and it ends up 42 to 17, fine. You just got better though. And you also avoided key injuries to guys that really matter. So I'm, I'm all about like, you know, I, I believe in double tapping a team early, get it, get into garbage time. And I, and the way I think about it is count the, the likely possessions. So if you're up 42 to 10, let's say that's, you know, the number we're looking at, that's 32 points, right? So you're going to need five possessions to to get 32 points you'd, you'd have to get four plus four uh two-point conversions and get four stops you know to, to tie so you're going to need five possessions at minimum to to win if you're going into the fourth quarter the likelihood of there being five possessions left in that game for one team is really small normally you're going to get two to three possessions in a quarter so I count possessions and I go, okay, you're up four possessions late in the third quarter. That game is not over, but it's real close. You're up, you're up four possessions early in the fourth. That game's pretty close to over. Like at that point, you're looking at a 99 plus percent win, win likelihood. And you can always bring your starters back in. So to me, uh, I, I fall in the in the uh, start start building your depth once you get up, say, twenty eight points late in the third quarter. Now that can change if you're up twenty eight points late in the third quarter against a rival who recruits more or less on par with you. <laughs> well, in then that you, case, 
Then you go for the 45 to threes. Then in that case, <laughs> I'm leaving Drake May out there an extra two possessions, and I'm trying to get to I'm trying to get to to uh, you know 56 before I take him out. Two more possessions. I'm, I'm going to get two more possessions, and I'm going to go for 56 because I want to hang as many points on my on my rival as I can, and the 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 outside chance that somebody's going to come back. It's going to be in that kind of game with somebody who's either better, you know, who's got roughly equal talent or, you know, or better talent than you. If you're up like that against a team that you feel can come back, different, different story. But you know, going into a game, like, it, I'm not saying anything that anybody in the North Carolina locker room doesn't already know. When I say Georgia Tech is not as talented as North Carolina, They're, that's not as good a roster. So if you're up 28 on that team already, that game's, pr- that game's probably over. So then you treat that, you start to go, okay, we, we took care of business, time to build the depth. All right. Let, you got some people fired up. Run so it here, up against your rival, though. Here you go, Tommy. To just kind of build on what we're talking about in terms of this being a blowout. Clemson beat Georgia Tech 41-10 with Jeff Sims. Ole Miss beat Georgia Tech 42-0. to zip. Florida State beat them 41-16. Miami, which is not very good. Beat them thirty-five to fourteen last week. Wow, so lost if, an team. I, I, I understand people are saying, "Oh, you know, it could be close." Carolina's played a lot of close games. There's no reason for this game to be close if Carolina wants to be taken seriously as a college football playoff contender or as an ACC championship contender. It can't be. It can't be close if those things are going to be right. There and. and the close, the, all the one score games um, have been away, right? They've all been the the away games. They beat Virginia Tech at home. They beat Florida A and M at home by a good margin. They lost to Notre Dame. I, I'm with you, but I've been watching so much this year. I fully expect it to be, you know, I fully expect it to come down to the wire, you know. But I want to, I want to toss something out there. So Jeff Sims, good player. Right, and he he actually was really important to their offense because he could do stuff. He when was the, he was Vince Young last year against Carolina, right? Yeah, he could do stuff doing? when things broke down. Yeah, Vince Young, he, he sure did look like Vince Young against Carolina last year, but he could do stuff when 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 things broke down. When he's not been in there for them, they've been really bad. So here's some numbers for you, Greg. I got something for you this week. It, I got a Greg Barnes special for you. I'm I'm eagerly waiting. When Jeff Sims went out against Virginia, they put their backup quarterback in the ball game. <laughs> they called 30 pass plays after Jeff Sims went out. Take a guess how many of those pass plays were sacks. Oh, Ten. Six. Close. It was seven. They called 30 pass plays, and seven of them wound up as sacks with Jeff Sims off the, on the sideline. So how do we explain they beat Pitt? Was Sims playing in that game? Turnovers. Yeah, that was straight-up turnovers. And that's the only way that Carolina loses this game, in my opinion. As bad as Georgia Tech is, Georgia Tech is uh, fifth nationally in turnover margin at plus 11. 
and they were plus three against uh, against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh turned it over in some bad spots. Yep. They got so, Georgia next week too. Whew. Yeah, and then they got Georgia. Georgia could beat them by 150 if they want. <laughs> now, I'm not kidding. They, they maybe they need to flip Cumberland, the old Cumberland right? score. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they they could they could they could go triple digits on this on this Georgia Tech team if they chose. So, how does Mac Brown get them focused, Greg? I asked those questions, um, you know, during the the hype and the bye weeks with all the noise and everything they were hearing. Um, and he talks all the time about player led this, player led that. Is focus at all an issue? Um, and if it is, if we do see that as an issue, is that a bigger issue? Yeah, I think this is one of those program building scenarios um, and not to not to project forward. But this is the kind of pressure and adversity you need to encounter in terms of expectations and hype to really build for next year. Uh, because what Mac and Gene Chizik talked about a lot this offseason and Max talked about it since he's been here is you have to play to a standard. And while the offense largely has this season, they haven't been perfect. Drake's covered disguise a lot of those problems at times. Uh, and while the defense has shown an ability to play some timely defense of late, on the whole, they have not been good at all. And so they have not played up to that standard. And so I think the message for Mike is, look, guys, you're exactly where you want to be right now. You're 9-1. Nobody expected you to be here. Let's finish it. And the way we finish it is that we play to a standard. And you're, you're already scheduled. You're already written in ink for the ACC championship game against Clemson. You don't want to look at it as, oh, we well, can lose one of these two games and be fine. That's not how you want to look at it. But you do want to say, these are opportunities for us to take big steps forward, regardless of what happens on the scoreboard. So set the standard, play to it. If you want to be in prime time, you want to be on the big stage, Let's do it now. Let's elevate our play. Don't worry about the quality of the opponent. Do the best that we can do. And I think if you sell that, um, then that really not only helps you close strong this year, it really kind of gives you some motivation and some experience in that scenario into 2023 when, as we've talked about for a long time, that's when everybody is expecting Carolina to be relevant nationally all season long, not just late in, late in the year. Yeah, Walter Holt asked on the boards, and you answered it. What can the staff do this week that will better prepare this team for the rest of the season? You spoke to that. Um, you know, the standard is an issue is an interesting thing for for North Carolina, Jason. What is the standard for this team? You've seen them now for ten games. On let's say on defense, what's the standard for this team? Is it definable? Well, I think. So standards are qualitative, right? So you, I don't believe you set quantitative standards in the sense of like the standard is giving up this many points a game or the standard is giving up, you know, 13 points to this Georgia tech team or whatever, or fewer. I don't think it's, I don't think it's quantifiable in that respect. The standard has to do with how well you execute the assignment that you have against the guy across from you. And so, you know, I'm, you guys, have, you guys have known me for a decade plus now. Sorry about that. Um, and has it been that long? Really? It has. Wow. It has. Um, 
you guys have known me for 10 years now. And you know, I'm a process guy. You know, how many times did I get in trouble with, you know, with fans who were upset when I would, you know, break down a, a great play by Mar- Marquise Williams? And I go, well, the outcome was excellent. <laughs> you could have made this a lot easier by just doing this. But, you know, he he didn't do that. And, you know, the coaching staff is going to be upset about this particular thing. But fortunately, he's a really good player in these respects and was able to compensate. And now you have a pretty awesome looking touchdown. And it's like, oh, you know, just enjoy the look. That's not how I'm wired. I'm a coach at heart. And it's all about the standard is always about the process. Because greatness comes when people embrace the pro- the processes necessary to get good outcomes on a consistent basis. When you consistently do the right processes and you do them with great effort, that's what produces great outcomes eventually. So for me, the standard is all about process. So you're focusing on how high can you grade this week? How high... How, how how can you make sure, can you have a completely clean week in terms of, of assignment soundness? You're on defense. Can you be in the proper gap on every play? That's the, that's your standard. Yeah. I used to, I used to coach little kids and I'd say, it's not about winning or losing. It's about doing it the right way. The wins will take care of themselves. I thought I was being deep. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah. To, to Jason's point, when Nick Saban has a lot of really good press conferences where he's asked questions like this, and he really kind of dives into it. Uh, one of his, his best that, that I can remember, and I, I watched it not too long ago with my son, is he's, he's talking about the process, and he's talking about uh, standards. He doesn't say standard, but that's kind of where he's getting at. And he says, look, is it all of us? He said, there's five different levels that we talk about. Uh, you know, there's, there's poor there's average and there's good. And at the power five level, if you're getting recruited to play and you go to practice every day and you work out when you're told to work out, chances are you're going to be pretty good. But then there's elite and then there's excellent. And if you want to be one of those two things, you got to do things a little bit different. It's got to mean a little bit more to you. You've got to be close to perfect every single snap. It's not being good on four out of five snaps. It's being near flawless on all five. That's when you get to be the best of the best. So that's what we're talking about. It's not a matter of, all right, guys, just go out there and let's just run this play and let's make sure you run your routes right. Uh Uh-uh. It's a whole different level than that. Um, And Jason, Jason's given us a lot of good anecdotes from his time at Florida State about how much it meant to those guys and the the player-led aspect and, how they were pushing themselves so hard in the offseason. That's what it is, and that's what Mac's trying to build here. And you really do a lot of that during the offseason, but these are select opportunities during the actual schedule where you can push yourself. And you can push them really hard this week saying, all right, guys, we're, we're giving Georgia Tech as much respect as they deserve like every other opponent. But really challenge them and say, look, let's really, really hone in, really lock in, and let's try to win every. The Wi-Fi man got you, Greg. You got me. You're back, Greg. Go ahead. Finish it up. 
it was it, it was good. <laughs> I, I finished it fantastically, and I, I can't put it in better words than I did. So I'm not even gonna try. It was like, man, did you see it? Yeah, did you see it? It was amazing. It you is have in to the, tell him he was there. It was in the ether. It was it, it was hilarious. <laughs> my dog, my dog's over here in the corner clapping. So I just I'll take that as <laughs> it was like, that was good, boss. Hey, can I? Can you get my? Well, no, we're not gonna tell what my dog does. Gremlins. Uh, Sean Crawley said the Gremlins got you. They're always good for at least one show, but it usually catches up, and then you talk really fast. At least what I'm here, and it comes by really fast, and you get it all in. So it's fantastic. Uh, Walter Holt's waiting for Jason to be muted once. You, you got to give us one of those at least. <laughs> it's live. It's live stuff. You know what's funny to me is we started doing these things live, and there was none of this stuff that was live. And now everybody does these things live. I'd like to think um, that myself and maybe Gregory Hall started it um, back during COVID and stuff like that. Jason, uh, the standard and this and that, who do you want to see? let's do something then we got to talk about this game and we're not going to get off of here before nine 30. That'd be like leaving the concert early. Uh, who on defense do you want to see sort of meet those standards? Who struggled with those standards early this, or to this point, this season, who would you like to see step up and sort of get closer to the perfection we're talking about? That's a really good question. Um, and you've gotten better at this since you've been, you know, full time on this. Uh, <laughs> I listen to a lot more stuff. Let me, let me, I will say this. And to Greg's point, and I'm sorry, I stepped on you. Ross Martin gave me grief for like watching all the press conferences and all that. I've always found it fascinating to go watch other teams mm-hmm. and other athletes talk to the press or interviews or things like that. You learn so much about everything. Lane Kiffin's a great one. Saban's a great one when he's not being a, a butthole. Uh, Cristobal's today. These days. Yeah, he's he's happier. But uh, how about Cristobal's today saying, shout out to the parents. If you don't like it, you can come pick your kid up. I mean, it's just fantastic stuff going on. Anyway, that's what <laughs> so, you do when you don't work so for the Mario. Man anymore. <laughs> that is so Mario. I texted my, my Miami guy and I was like, was this real? Did he really tell parents to, you can come get your kid if you're mad about playing time? And he sure enough said it. There, 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 there's rumblings around Miami that they're going to have about 30 players leave after this year. I don't know if it's a bad thing. I'm not sure it is either. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're certainly not connecting with those guys. So, I mean, at a certain point, you know, you manage people up and out, uh, you manage them up or out. So the question is whether or not the people they bring in, they're going to be able to manage up. And, and I have some real questions about, you know, the Miami coaching staff, but that's another thing. Now, I completely agree with you about getting to watch other people's stuff. And I, I, you know, I, this is one of the things that I've actually really benefited from doing so much stuff with two teams every year, watching Florida state and, you know, paying real close attention as I cover them and then paying equal attention, you know, and covering Carolina so hard, you get to see a lot of different things and, and some things start to rhyme. Uh, I was actually reflecting on this the other day. It's been kind of funny because it's un- it's it's both fortunate and unfortunate in some ways that the two the two programs in the last ten years have kind of it's not been exact, but they've kind of followed the same kind of level of trajectory. When Florida State went down, Carolina went down too, and then when Florida State was way up, Carolina was in the ACC championship game. 
And then this year, Carolina is going to play for the division crown and FSU is suddenly looking like they, you know, belong in the ACC again. So, you know, that it's been sort of interesting to watch the, the rise and fall of both programs and then rise again uh, and see the commonalities in certain things and see some of the places where there are differences and go, Oh, interesting. But the commonalities have really have been more interesting than, than I think the, the differences. Cause you see some of the same things culturally that come up like, Oh, that changed. And then they both got better <laughs> and Oh, you know, sure helps when you have a quarterback playing really well. And I don't know if you guys, you guys probably saw the graphic earlier this week of uh, power Crazy. five quarter power five quarterbacks with uh, big time. It was big time throws on the Y axis versus turnover worthy throws on the X axis and further up and to the right was good in that quadrant. And Drake may might as well have had his own quadrant. quadrant right. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you had everybody else in the country kind of clustered and then a few, you know, outliers, you know, kind of toward the top or bottom of it. And then you had Drake May out by himself. Like, well, <laughs> hey, guys. He's like the Tom Hanks. And what's yeah. call it? Waving at everybody down there. Yeah, yeah he, he's absolutely <laughs> just like way out there by himself. But then, you know, the number two guy that, you know, sort of toward, you know, toward the top of the rest of the pack. But number two is Jordan Travis. It's like, huh, interesting. No surprise that both teams have suddenly looked really good this year. Right. It turns out that having a quarterback, you know, kind of helps. Uh, and Sam Howell did that in terms of building back. You know, without Sam, they're not they're not where they are right now. They wouldn't have Drake May, I don't think, without Sam Howell. So, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting to see those those uh, those comparisons. I agree with you, Tommy, getting to watch other stuff when you get to see other other coaches and see other perspective and see what other fan bases are angry about. And you go, huh, they're angry about that too. So are they, maybe that's just a fan thing. <laughs> it's like all the same. It's yeah. like literally the same. No everybody complains about their offensive line. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, everybody complains about officiating. Um, Tommy, since, since Jason brought up quarterback play there, uh, I don't like to, to pick on kids when they're, when they're struggling. So don't take this as me picking on, Zach Gibson, who is going to be Georgia Tech starting quarterback, uh, transfer from Akron. Uh, but his quarterback rating is 84. Drake Mays is 178. Uh, he's averaging more 4. than double 4.4 yards per attempt. Um, so he's not throwing the ball down the field, and he's still completing less than fifty percent of his passes. Uh, they, it's a, it's a mess that they have on their hands. Um, and that's he's when got he a, doesn't get sacked. Correct. He's he's got a 40, 44 quarterback grade in PFF, thirty nine under pressure, and he hadn't played a whole lot. He has not attempted a pass with Georgia Tech holding the lead. Mm. Um. Hey, and shout out to his, them dudes for playing. Yeah, I'd be most of I'd his, quit. Yeah, most of his success in terms of passing statistics have come when, when Georgia Tech has trailed by 15 points or more. Wow. So it is really a um, a slog. And look, uh, not to dive off into the, the advanced metrics. I know fans are probably sick of hearing it with regard to the defense. But in order for the – the defense to make significant strides, the window 
is really closing. It may have already closed because <laughs> I mean Georgia Tech. I mean this is with some of this is with Sims playing, but they're 128th in the country in points per drive at 1.1. So if you say they have 12, 12 possessions in this game, I mean if they if they score 14 points, I mean that could actually hurt Carolina in the metrics and <laughs> some of the metrics. So if you're if you're looking for reasons of how the defense can improve on the metric side of things, uh, I mean you're talking about a shutout. But I think they with, need to score fewer than ten. Yeah, I think with Gibson being quarterback, though, the opportunities there for the defense to really gain some confidence, whether false or not. But any success that you have, continued success, that's a good thing for. NC State. That's a good thing for Clemson and then the next game after that. So um, they can really use this as a building block game, even though there's really not a lot of opportunity to improve some of the the key metrics that we've talked about all season. Yeah, and I'm going to answer Tommy's question finally. About the players. Yes, and and why are we we talking into an epic Georgia Tech performance? We are talking it into existence. No, look. I'm still a glass half full. Not going to happen. Glass half empty. Tony Grimes is is the guy I'm picking to step up. That's the guy that I want to see. He's, he's not had the season that he or anybody else wanted from him. And, you know, that's the guy that I want to see really have a quality game to kind of build some confidence. And he's going to have every opportunity to gain some confidence in this game. But what I actually really want to see from him is I want to see him come up and tackle with good fundamental soundness and physicality, which he struggled with that this year. And you kind of understand, I mean, the first game one, he got a concussion. And he, you know, he's never been like super fundamentally sound as a tackler. He kind of, you know, has always kind of tossed himself in there. But I want to see him actually come in and play physical against the run, you know, somebody coming to the outside and really just play his assignment properly and use his body correctly and get guys on the ground. Wouldn't hurt for him to, you know, have a few coverage snaps where he's able to, you know, maybe corral an errant throw here or there. But that's a guy that I, I mean, he's, he's still a pretty talented guy, but I don't see a whole lot of confidence from him right now. And I don't see, you know, some of the physicality that that I'd like to see there. Uh, so that's a guy I'm I'm looking at. And and really, this is a game where with a quarterback that's that's struggling that much. And the thing is, one of the reasons that he's struggling that much is they are bad on the offensive line. Like Carolina fans complained about the offensive line the last couple of years, and there were justifiable complaints because, you know, as I was saying the last couple of years, they're squandering NFL talent on that offensive line by not being as good as they should be but they were like average on the offensive line or pretty close to average. Georgia tech is bad on the offensive line. Like they can't block. And so you combine that with the, with the quarterback situation that they've got, you should be able to get, you know, get some opportunities as secondary, but this is an opportunity to let your, your defensive front eat a little bit and get, you know, get into, into some gaps and get into the backfield because you're not afraid. You're not afraid of this team beating you deep a bunch to really make you pay. So you 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 attack this team. Yeah, I mean, Grimes stepped up and made a pretty good tackle. He got the guy on the ground against Wake Forest there on that last drive. That was an important tackle. 
I'd like to see him come up and hit somebody like Storm Duck did. Was it Pittsburgh? Yeah. That it was just like broke all of the whatever Storm Duck had him was wrapped up in, all that stuff shattered off of him when he made that tackle. Sure felt like it. Yeah, it was just like he broke free of whatever he had going on and he's played well since and, and you referenced the play against Wake Forest. Grimes needs that type of play. And um Yeah, I, I just I watched some of that when I when I saw Storm Duck make that play against Pittsburgh you're talking about, Tommy. That's the kind of hit that Kendrick Burney and Charles Brown used to deliver all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe they weren't the best at coverage, but they would lay a hit on you in a heartbeat. And Carolina's has really been lacking that. So I, I agree. I, uh, the physicality hasn't been there. And I, I think you can build confidence that way. We talk a lot about it with Marquise. You know, Fedora even talked about it. Marquise needed to get hit. Like, once he got hit in the game, they're like, okay, now he's settled in. Now he kind of understands what it's about and all these things. And he played better. Um, and I think we've seen a little bit of that of Storm. And hopefully some of the guys can kind of flip that switch, and that would make the defense a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you get your bell rung and you get concussed, that changes the game. But he needs one of those moments. People are in the chat talking about Jimmy Hitchcock and all that. I mean, Bracey Walker back in the day when I was at Carolina, his nickname was Novocaine because he put people to sleep. And, and so um, a different game, um, Norris Davis. Look, I can, I can age myself in a heartbeat. I, I know um, Mac Brown 1.0 very well. Uh, but anyway, let me talk about Johnny T-shirt right fast. I've let it slip. It's 940 on the East Coast. We're going to get out of here a little bit before 10. But Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Go see him. And get the sweatshirts and the hoodies and even a blanket or two because you're going to need it Saturday in Keenan Stadium. It's going to be a little chilly. Shop at Johnny T-Shirt. Tell them Inside Carolina sent you. Get the premium code off the message boards. you got to be that premium member. And you get the 10% off. Take care of them. They take care of us on East Franklin Street and online. A great place to go prior to Carolina and Georgia Tech at the fine time of 530 in the afternoon. National guys pay the bills. It is game plan, Georgia Tech week. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, boys, 
got a few more minutes in this one. We're going to put a bow on this one. And we're talking about players that need to step up. I asked Jason. He detailed Grimes. Who do you think, Greg? Who would you like to see um, sort of shine here at – we're 10 games into, I guess, a 14-game schedule now, uh, at least. Well, I think if, if Carolina's dreaming, I think it's got to be Spencer Rowland. And I, I think Austin Richards has really done a good job this year. He's really come along. Um, but just kind of projecting ahead to NC State and Clemson, I mean, they've got pretty good defensive fronts. And with the, the tape they probably have on, on Roland, I mean, you're you're wanting to exploit that as best you can if you're one of those two teams. I mean, that uh, I don't know if you'd say it's a weakness, but maybe comparative to, to Richards on the other side, it may be a weakness. That's an area you can attack. And so uh, more reps at this level, some success, as we talked about earlier, in terms of building confidence, that'd be really good for, for Spencer Roland this week uh, to really kind of set him on a, on a good path for the, the challenges to come because um, Georgia Tech's not terrible defensively. They're not really good. But after this week, North Carolina's going to be playing some really good defenses. Uh, and so it, it, it's really time for, you know, if Drake Mays, your only hope, it's going to be tough. But if you can get good, solid performances from your offensive front, as well as the you know, wide receivers doing what they've been doing and Elijah Green, uh, then, you're, then you're really talking about, okay, well, we feel solid across the board. Um, but I think some of those guys up front, primarily Spencer, uh, you know, they have good weeks that that bodes well for Carolina moving forward. Yeah, and they need to stay healthy this week. And he struggled a little bit against Wake Forest. And Lord knows State will put somebody over there. And you got K.J. Henry for Clemson sure. and, and those guys. So, uh, they, you know, they got to figure it out there. Um, Drake's fantastic, but you don't want him to have to run for his life every time and i'm quite sure nc state's going to try to do everything they can shout out to the 300 plus people here on the game plan podcast live on a thursday night georgia tech week coming up uh, we haven't given georgia tech much of a chance and that's because jason staples says so jason um anything else we can talk about as far as this game as far as what this team needs to do i think it's a program game i think it's a, a you know, I don't say must wins on these, but this is a must show out and look good game. If all this stuff we've talked about, Heisman trophies, playoffs, are, are still realistically, what do you see? What else you got for Georgia Tech? It really isn't a whole lot. I mean, it really is just take care of business on the offensive side. Their defense is actually pretty decent. They're decent. But – Again, the problem is their offense is not good, and Carolina's defense needs to take care of business on that side of the ball. That's that's as simple as it gets. You got to take care of this team that should not be able to score. You know th- they should have trouble scoring double figures on you, and you need to you need to take care of business on that. That you need to take some pride in that aspect of things. Uh, beyond that, it's just take care of the football and and get out healthy. Play, play crisp football and do your do your job. But the defense needs to to go out and take care of business and take another step forward. It'll feel real good if they go out and and, and take care of their business and do to this team what they should. Tommy, a couple of things here. Um, I know people like to talk about Carolina being young. I, I would argue that a little bit, but Georgia Tech uh, is starting 13 underclassmen. That's kind of where they're at right now. And 
it's kind of a mess. Carolina starting five underclassmen. And then the 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 other part of it that I wanted to, to mention, um, well, I had it in front of me. Okay, here it is. So we talk about turnovers for Georgia Tech. I mean, that's the only way Georgia Tech wins this game is by um, having success and forcing some turnovers. Carolina hasn't coughed up a lot of balls, so that's part of it. But the wild thing about Georgia Tech is they lose 41-10 to Clemson, uh, zero turnover margin. They lost one, gained one. So it's not like Clemson stock, you know, stacked up on turnovers. Ole Miss, Georgia Tech had a – they won the turnover battle that game. They lost 42 to zip. Hmm. Against Florida State, Georgia Tech won the turnover battle 2-0 and got spanked 41-16. Uh, and we talk about how bad Miami has been of late. Yes, Miami beat them 35-14. That was the only game all year long that Georgia Tech has lost a turnover battle. So give them credit. They've, they've done a good job uh, in all but one game this year of minimizing turnovers and then creating some. But that is their only path to have some success. And against some of these these better teams, that still wasn't good enough. Um, so that – you, if, if you want to hang your hat on turnovers for Georgia Tech to have, have life, uh, do so very carefully. Georgia Tech is outscoring their opponents in one period or one quarter, and that's overtime, 3 nothing. <laughs> All the rest, they have been um, different versions of shell during the quarter score. And let's go to predictions. I got a feeling I'll know where this one's going. Um, and, and Buck Sanders, Jeff Goldblum in the chat, Buck will join us again on the day after. Everybody gets a break. I don't blame him for wanting a break from this crowd, um, but Buck will be back. Uh, Jason, predictions. I'm going to go with Carolina 41, uh, Georgia Tech 10. I, I think I think this is one where the, the offense may actually not have quite as good an outing in this one as you might expect, especially early. Because that Georgia Tech defense, is, is as I mentioned, they're, they're, they're pretty decent. And, you know, they've got some players up front. They got one guy on the defensive line that looks like he ought to be at Bama. I mean, he just is a freak. Uh, but I think ultimately they'll wear down, and I think Carolina will will score the necessary points. And I just – I don't see them scoring a whole lot, even against Carolina's defense. Uh, you know, they may have a, a couple things early if they if they have some good plans in there. But ultimately, you got to be able to block and throw the football, and I don't think they do either very well. And you know that that's that's not a good way to score points. Greg Barnes. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really cold in the second half. It's going to be in the forties. I'm just reaching at straws to make this <laughs> uh, more competitive than, than how it looks. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm with Jason. I mean, the Georgia Tech offense. Uh, you know, Carolina's catching a break here. I mean, just not even not even the backup quarterback got a third string quarterback uh, who's really struggled. So uh, that that's good for Gene Chizik. But um, I'll say I don't know what what Jason say forty one ten. That's kind of where I was going. Let's say uh, forty five to seven. How about that? There we go. Interesting. Uh, look here you go, Jason. Here's some attaboys. Great job with the Drake and Josh film <laughs> breakdowns. They have Appreciate been fantastic it. this week. Hopefully, we'll we'll get to see more of that. Okay, Slagle, come on. People are calling for a Slagle question, um, but he hadn't come up with one. 
He wants to bring pressure and run the football. I think Carolina wins the game. I mean, I, I'm with y'all. I'm the kick dog, though, you know. I think it's a Noah Burnett field – no, I'm joking. If it's a Noah Burnett field goal <laughs> in this one, then uh, the, and then Carolina uh, might as well wipe away any of the hopes of those extra things that we've talked about. I think Carolina wins. You know, I think Drake puts up 45 – Drake puts up 45 to 50 and then gets out of there. Let's go 48 to 20. Tech gets a late score. Somebody shout out on the message board, assuming a blowout's way overconfident that – we haven't assumed much this year, um, and this game does not need to be close, and I think Carolina understands that. I think Mac Brown's got this team understanding that this is a game that cannot be close if you want to be taken seriously on the national scale. And that being said, we'll see how much they listen and how much they've grown and matured and all during the course of the year. Carolina beats Georgia Tech, goes 10-1. and one. Hey, guys, they're one ahead of my pick. I had them at – Nine and two right now. They can go ten and one if they beat Georgia Tech. Jason, Greg, anything left? Any meat on the bone, as Buck likes to say? Nothing. Over under on Jacoby Criswell touchdowns. One and a half. Over or under. 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 I think it'll be one. Do we do think we think Mike one. Houston's going to be the next head coach at Georgia Tech? Somebody posted something on Twitter said Dion. I'd love to see it. You're talking about press conferences to watch. What do you think yeah. about Dion, Jason? No, I'm not going there. I don't want to get in that discussion. <laughs> I don't know what it is with all these Florida State guys. I said it to Bud Elliott yesterday. It's like, how many Florida State guys can we handle across this stuff? Maybe we'll talk to Danny Cannell. That's another <laughs> We'll just get the whole team there. Florida State reunion. It's been the game plan. It's been Thursday night. It's 951. We'll get out of here a little bit early. Uh, 300 plus the entire show guys you guys are awesome join us for the day after at eight o'clock on sunday morning i expect everybody that's in here to be in there and bring the biscuits and bring the breakfast and bring the coffee buck sanders jason staples will join me shout out to the rest of the inside carolina podcast crew check them out all the videos all the podcast content and of course me no <laughs> too much me i'll see you guys on saturday Appreciate it, Greg <laughs> and Jason. Thanks, you Tommy. too, Jason. All right, guys. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome into Inside Carolina's Next Level. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Got Greg Barnes with me and special guest, Bud Elliott. Bud, how you doing? 
guys, I'm doing great. I, I listen to I see I see all the time, and, and I I know these Johnny T-shirt reads by heart. I could probably do them <laughs> as, as as a guy that that manages the pod network and tries to put out fires when, when we have them. Uh, that <laughs> you got you guys do those dudes right. I uh, I have said that so many times. I find myself waking up in the middle of the night going, Johnny T-shirt, Johnny T-shirt.com, East Franklin Street is fascinating. But they are great folks. And, and if y'all are listening to this, you need to go visit them. It's Christmas time. Take care of them as they take care of us. But obviously, um, you're the big time. So we get the national guys to come on this show with the next level with Greg Barnes and I and sort of get a, a national take outside of the echo chamber um, that can be the Carolina fan base and the inside Carolina readership. So we wanted to have you on here to sort of talk about Carolina's standing in all of this. This is this is very rare and very new for inside Carolina folks, for Carolina football fans, especially in general. It, and it, quite frankly, it's almost surreal that we're sitting here talking about the college football playoff and the college football rankings and Heisman Trophy. Bizarre, I must admit. And I've been doing this and following them for a long, long time. But just overall, from your perspective of where you sit holistically, where does Carolina stand in all of this realistically um, when you look at the entire landscape? So I, I think that they are a, a solid you know, team that should be in the rankings probably somewhere, you know, I don't know, between 8th and like 15th, 17th, if you really wanted to argue, right? Like you could probably go at like like high and low as far as far as your your spreads there, I love Drake May. I've been impressed by Carolina's offensive line more than I thought they'd be. Uh, and now, of course, because I'm on your show, I'm blanking on the kid's name. But the the running back y'all have found is is really pretty nice. Elijah Green. Yeah, I mean he's he seems like like he's a real deal. And I, it's hard for me to parse out exactly how much of that is is teams having to focus on on Drake May and you know your your other Green and and, and Downs and whatnot. Uh, but like the offense is super dangerous to me and the defense is i think it's kind of found its level as i would say bad but not quite as bad as they looked in the first month of the season which was just almost an unplayable level uh, but you know you watch the committee's comments and i'm i'm typically of the mindset that the committee just fakes these rankings week to week to juice the the numbers for the tv ratings and makes for kind of a boring take every week on cover three when we come on there for the reaction show for the playoff odds. Like, okay, why'd they do this? Well, that's the primetime game. All right. Well, make, makes sense. I'm sure they'll get them right in the end, but I don't really think that they follow their own precedent too much on a week to week basis. Right. I mean, they, they say one thing in week one, they say a totally different thing in, in the second rankings and the third rankings, what they seem to value prior to that uh, is, is disregarded yet again. Uh, but I think one of the reasons Carolina is getting dinged right now in the rankings, guys, is typically like a coach in the room, they preach this idea of balance. And I'm against that. I just think like you just need to be a great team. Was was that 2019 LSU team the most balanced team we'd ever seen? No, they just had a, a, a nuclear offense and a, and a you know good enough defense. I mean, it's better than this UNC defense, but my, my point is, I don't like this idea of, oh, we want balanced teams. No, I just want the best teams. I don't really care how, how they do it as long as they do it. Yeah, looking at it, and, and we've heard that. I mean, we've seen Oklahoma be ranked up there and and then get raced off the field. Notre Dame did the same. I mean, the idea of balance is confusing to me, but your point about the the rankings and how it's there, – there's a, <laughs> I don't want to say it too unkindly because they're human beings, but there are a lot of 
what are we doing here moments with the rankings? Um, mm-hmm. You guys talk about it a lot. I listen to y'all a ton. Um, Chip, Chip is a little bit more exciting than I am, I freely admit. Um, but I love Tom and you and Danny. Uh, but when you look at the balance aspect of it, nine and one, right? The goal is to win the games. And that's the, the approach I've taken here. Now, it may run out eventually. Hopefully not this weekend when they play Georgia Tech. We'll talk about that later on the Game Plan podcast. But why is that such a thing for the for the uh, the committee to rank these teams and talk about that when, like you said, it sounds it's it's a lot more than defensive rankings. It's a lot like TV rankings. Yeah, I I agree with that. So I think what they're going to look at is basically who you beat and how you beat them, right? And and who you lost to and and how those losses occurred. So obviously, I mean, Carolina, you know, losing at home to a Notre Dame team uh, that also beat Clemson, to be fair, uh, and has looked better in recent weeks, but at the same time has a loss to what might be the worst power five team in the country at home in Stanford and also has a home loss to to a Marshall team that you know is not not particularly good. Mark, Mike Marshall has a Bowling Green loss on its resume and, and a couple other uh, ones that don't look too good. And it was a multi-score loss at home, right? I mean, it wasn't necessarily a, a super close final score, or was it? Yeah, it, it was like ten points, right? I think. You know, the, the rest of the strength of the schedule for Carolina this year. I mean, you just go down it. So, App looks a little bit worse than it did at the time, right? Because App has kind of fallen off a little bit. Coastal kind of gave it to him a couple of weeks ago on that Thursday night or Wednesday night game or whatever that was. You know, Virginia Tech has been bad pretty much the whole season. Miami seems to really have fallen off a cliff. Duke, I think, is a respectable football team. Uh, but I'm not sure how much credit the committee is going to give to that. One of my major harps with this committee, guys, is that they they arbitrarily draw the line at top 25, which a top 25, by the way, that they make to use to justify where they want to rank these teams that are kind of in that top 10 to 12 to 14, whatever they feel like eventually could get in. And they give you basically no credit if you beat a team that might be 26th or 28th or, or 34th, and, and the bottom line here is talk to anybody who makes power ratings, you know, and I, I make my own, right? I'm literally winning the golden nugget ultimate challenge right now in the whole country. <laughs> so like I can tell you the difference between 15th and like 40th, it's not even a touchdown in a lot of cases. So if you got some wins here, like Duke, right? Pitt is not going to be a ranked team. Pitt's still a, a quality team that you beat. Wake Forest is, I assume, no longer a ranked team. I, I don't have the rankings right in front of me. They're still no. a quality football team. North Carolina is having part of the TCU problem right now. A lot of TCU's wins are in that 26 to 40 range, which is still a really quality football team. But because we arbitrarily draw these lines at 25, I mean, maybe because it's a round number, maybe because it used to represent the top quartile of of college football teams. Who knows why we picked 25 back in the day, but UNC is kind of getting screwed a little bit just by some of their best wins being just outside that top 25, in my opinion. TCU is kind of having the same problem. Yeah, along those lines, bud, we've talked a lot over the years about the NCAA setup and how uh, they've got their fingers all in March Madness, of course, but not so much in football. And I think one of the the benefits that the NCAA um, has established for that sport is they've really kind of worked on this idea of, of a net tool uh, so that the committee has very specific guidelines of what they're looking for 
with strength of schedule. And then to your point, uh, they don't just say, hey, it's it's one through 25, 25 through 50. It's okay, was this game on the road? Was this game at a neutral site? And then they try to classify it as best they can. Is it perfect? No, but it's an attempt to get close to that. Whereas the football playoff committee, they don't have any set metrics that they look at. Um, I found it interesting, Bill Connolly, uh, before the rankings release on, on Tuesday, was just kind of playing around with formulas with all these different metrics. And he, he put out the exact same 14 teams in order that the playoff committee laid out. So they're looking at a lot of the metrics, too. They're just not saying what they're looking at necessarily. So, um, I, 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 so I work with Bill for about 11 years back at SB Nation, you know, when they still did college football. And, you know, really, like we, we, we talk on, on, on you know, Google Chat every day. And what he used there was basically an approximation of the old BCS, right? Which I think I would still have a problem with because BCS, remember, it kind of took out margin of victory and things that showed dominance. But just, just to clarify, like he was using the old BCS computer model to predict what the committee would do. And they actually matched it totally. So they're, Greg, I agree with you. They're, they're looking at something, but they don't really say what they're looking at. And one thing you said a, a moment ago, I think hit the, the nail on the head here, was they're looking at who you beat and they're looking at how you beat them. Uh, you mentioned they've talked a lot. Book Oregon's mentioned it several times, balance. Okay, They want you to be good on both sides of the ball. The other part of it is dominance. Um, they really deemed TCU, uh, I guess it was after the, after the first release a couple weeks ago, and they said, look, TCU is playing timely defense, which I think is what we can classify Carolina playing in the last couple weeks, especially late in games. But they said they're not exactly great defensively. And so that's one of the reasons they were a little bit lower on the, on the ranking poll. Um, and kind of to that point, a lot of, a lot of Carolina fans have, have looked at strength of record and said, well, hey, Carolina's number 11 strength of record, despite being 76 in strength of schedule, which is valid. But then you look at game control, which is effectively you know, how, how in control of a game you are uh, compared to you know, other teams that, you know, it's against like an average opponent, kind of adjusted uh, premium deal. Carolina's 39th. When you're looking at teams like Georgia's number one, Ohio State's number three, Michigan's number four, TCU's number 15. Um, and that's to be expected because Carolina has six wins of a touchdown or less. You know, Phil Still, I don't, I don't know if he's kept up with it of late. I, I hadn't looked at his magazine in a year or two. But he always kept up with the stat of, you know, if a team has you know, four net wins, meaning they've won four games, four more games than lost by seven points or less, their odds of being better or worse next year is X and X. Um, well, he only went up to like net six <laughs> because nobody would have more than net six. Well, Carolina's sitting at net six right now. And so in terms of the dominance factor, Carolina just doesn't have it. Uh, they had the one game against Pitt where they pulled away late, but the only really dominant game on the schedule was Virginia Tech. And then, of course, North Carolina – uh, was was getting beat pretty badly by Notre Dame. They're entering the fourth quarter, so I think I think that plays a lot in the in the committee's eyes in terms of where North Carolina ranks amongst some of these other teams. Well, 
one thing I would point out, and, and Greg, I, I agree, and I, I do look at that. Like, that's one reason I was not very high this year on Michigan State coming in. Because I was like, well, what, what's the chance they hit lightning in a bottle, t- you know, two years in a row with the transfer portal stuff uh, perfectly? And then also, what's the chance they win all those close ball games again? But I think it's important to differentiate some of these teams that are, are having incredible close game uh, fortune or just, you know, close game outcomes that are going in their favor that are doing so because they are getting a lot of turnover luck relative to like what your expected turnovers are and teams that are maybe just eking them out. And if you look at it, the teams that typically are winning ball games that are not having a whole lot of turnover luck, but they are better in close games. I liken it to baseball, right? A, a team that doesn't strike out very much. That's a high contact team, a team that has a really good bullpen is going to win. It's a, a share of close games that is higher than expected. And to me, Carolina fits that. I mean, I actually don't know who Carolina's kicker is. I, I probably should, but I assume he's not terrible given how many close games you know that they've been in. And I do know who Carolina's quarterback is. So in my opinion, it's kind of like quarterback and kicker, right? Are, are two things that late game are going to be really important. So if you're in these close games and I, I don't think Carolina has been, like, have they been lucky a little bit? Sure. I don't think they've been just turnover lucky. Like some of these teams run. Yeah. Aside from, I mean, Duke missed a late field goal, and Wake Forest Hartman threw that interception late in, against in that game, and that's a game Wake Forest probably should have salted away. But to your point, Drake May has been the difference in all of them. I mean, that guy's carried the load all year. I mean, for ten games, really. Even against Notre Dame, he played well. So let me ask you: Carolina's thirteen now. Oh, they got Georgia Tech. We talked off air about Georgia Tech struggles. Um, that should be a win. NC State's going to be a different game just because those games are always nasty Friday after Thanksgiving. I mean, it's pretty clear Carolina has to beat Clemson to even continue this conversation. But if they did, Bud, is there any shot? And you've done this for a long time. I personally think there's no shot. I don't see it. But is there a shot and a a scenario um, that Carolina can get to that fourth seed? and get to that college football playoff, what do they have to do in these next three games, aside from win them, to get there? Yeah, I think you you need to probably smoke Georgia Tech, right? Can't, can't have a game where they're like, hey, guys, even Georgia Tech scored on, on these dudes, right? And I think that would help to, in the committee's mind to uh, continue to advance the narrative that defense is improving, which I think it actually is somewhat, to be honest. Um even with, with losing those defensive linemen, which you know concerned me the last couple of weeks, and they they seem to have not. Uh, I mean, you say not missed a beat, implying that they're good, but like they're not. To my eyes, they're not regressing necessarily after losing those guys up front. Uh, I think you clearly need to beat NC State. Which do we know if MJ Morris is going to play for NC State? I don't know if he's playing this weekend. They're they're four point underdogs at, at Louisville, and that's with a banged up Malik Cunningham. Uh, so may, maybe you want to read into that as you will. I think their center might be might be ding too. The, the depth chart they put out was a little little sketch there in Raleigh uh, for, for for my liking. I, was, I looked at it, I was like, okay, so everybody's 100 healthy in these days. Got it. All right, uh, and then you need to beat Clemson for sure. Uh, I mean, just if you pull that off, then you you need to start comparing some resumes. Clearly, like a you know undefeated TCU is in over them, no doubt. I think Tennessee is probably in over Carolina if they have one loss, right? So. That's going to be tough. You need Georgia, I think, to just dispatch of, of LSU. So Georgia gets in. Uh, so th- those are probably two SEC teams in. I think you need Ohio State to smack Michigan. 
Because if Michigan takes that big time loss, the rest of their schedule might look a little bit, a little bit more like sketchy. Like if, if Ohio State can go and, and win by three touchdowns over Michigan, maybe or twenty four or something like that, well then that's a loss that might be disqualifying for Michigan because you can look at the rest of the schedule. You can look at the Michigan schedule and say, hey, they shouldn't have canceled that non conference game and bought out of it against UCLA like like they did, and and they did. I mean that was a choice, and now their non conference schedule looks really poor. So maybe if if Michigan gets smacked by Ohio State, or if for somehow if Illinois pull, springs the upset this weekend, beats Michigan, and Michigan were to also lose in Columbus, that you know two losses clearly they're not going to go over one loss ACC champion there. TCU, that's that's a tough one. Like a, a one loss TCU that's a champ might go over Carolina. It might not. It just kind of depends, I think, on how they look and why they lost, right? And in the Pac-12, I think it's as simple as just get yourself a two-loss Pac-12 champion, which is entirely possible. So all those things sound easy, but like if you had to put a parlay together of all these things that occurring, the, the odds are they're probably less than 1%. Yeah, the, the way I kind of look at it, Bud, is all right, so you know the – Likely Georgia. I mean, I think we can we can say they're going to be the prohibitive favorite to win the SEC championship game over LSU. Uh, whoever wins the Big Ten, if TCU wins out, you know, clearly they're going to be in. Um, and I think you can make a case if USC run wins out. Um, they've got a little bit better metrics than Carolina. Very similar to Carolina. Offense is a little bit better in the defense, uh, while not a lot better. It is better. So I think you can make a legitimate case for those four teams if they win their conference championships. My issue, and and going back to talking about the arbitrary nature of the committee, is when you look at their criteria, what's number one on that list? Championships won. So Tennessee's not even going to play for the SEC championship, and yet I think we all can agree that Tennessee's probably got to step on teams like North Carolina and maybe even a team like USC who potentially could win. And I'll throw Clemson there, of course, who potentially could win a power five championship, but not be able to leapfrog Tennessee who did not even get to play in their championship game. Um, When that is like the primary, the number one factor that the committee lays out. I mean, it's on their website. Um, That's, I don't quite get that. I'll, I'll have an issue with that if that occurs. I know what we've seen it happen before, and it'll happen again. But if you're going to lay out guidelines, stick to them. I, that's the frustrating part for me. Do we have the exact language of that? Because I, I mean, it's been uh, it's been a little while since I've read that. I remember reading it as like if if the teams are close or something like that these are the things right. to be considered if, if the margins are comparable the following criteria must be considered championships won strength of schedule head to head competition if it occurs and then the comparative outcomes of common opponents they like the way they get around that with Tennessee Carolina is might just be like they don't feel like the margins are comparable my, it would be my guess sure Ooh, that would be an interesting thing if that happened. If they pulled yeah. Tennessee and Tennessee benefits from not even being in their conference championship, that's that's why. Well, I don't know if I like the expansion or not, but anyway, that's another thing. Let me. You mentioned Carolina needs Carolina team wise needs Ohio State to blitz Michigan. Uh, let's talk about Drake May for a minute and the Heisman deal. 
I think the reverse needs to happen for Drake May yeah. to have an opportunity at the Heisman. Your take there. Totally agree. Uh, I, I I took a little uh, C.J. Stroud for the Heisman two weeks ago, plus 190, just because I realized like the size of the favorite they would be here on out. And I've you know, said on cover three a while, like I, I think Drake May is the best quarterback in, in the country. I just don't know if you're going to not give the award to the preseason favorite who leads his team to an undefeated season while throwing for pretty good numbers at Ohio State, right? Like it's, you know, program prestige name type thing. Guy was a preseason favorite. He got all the love. He delivered on the, the record. With quarterbacks, we seem to reward them for, you know, for win-loss record a lot, even though that's – it's somewhat like obviously their performance has a lot to do with it, but it's it's not entirely within their control uh, as as Drake make probably a test, right? Like you got to have got to have other players as well step up around you. Um, but I, I think Drake May does actually have a shot to win this if Michigan were to beat Ohio State. I do, and I I, I think there's a couple guys that are in that boat as well. I mean, if if CJ Corum went or excuse me Blake Corum went nuts on Ohio State and ran for like 250 and four touchdowns. Sometimes voters can be swayed by by late late season heroics because he's going to have the numbers as well, and he destroyed Penn State. I think Caleb Williams, by the way, if they run the gauntlet of UCLA, Notre Dame, and then either Utah, Oregon, or Washington back to back to back, like there's really no scenario in which they do that, go undefeated there, and it's not entirely on Caleb Williams because USC's defense is really not very good, and uh, Travis Dye, the running back for USC, is out. I would guess if you watch the video, I mean, I, I don't know if they've announced it official, but it, I'd be shocked if he came back this season, unfortunately. I mean, that's going to be a situation where Caleb Williams probably has, I don't know, 4,200 yards and 50-something I mean, combined passing and rushing touchdowns. So he'll have an argument too. I just don't know if it'll be a good enough argument to beat C.J. Stroud if the Buckeyes go undefeated. Yeah, it's an interesting take. I mean – I will give you that if Caleb Williams is able to do that, um, and I and I think he's better. I, I think if Drake doesn't win it, then I think it needs to be him over C.J. Stroud. Um, you know that I'm not a huge fan too. of Ohio State football, but Williams <laughs> Williams is not. I don't vote, so it doesn't matter. But uh, not that. Uh, and that's for fan purposes, not players. Those guys are great, uh, but. Caleb Williams, Drake May, C.J. Stroud in that order, if it shakes out like we've talked about and Carolina can get by Clemson. What you got, Greg? Bud, before we let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit recruiting. Um, you know, the, the North Carolina fan base, and I, I think pretty much anybody that follows recruiting across the country has paid attention to your blue chip ratio over the years and kind of the impact of, of how valuable recruiting is and recruiting at a high level. Um, Carolina has gradually – moved up that list i know they're not quite uh, i think uh, looking at the one you put out this summer they're not quite top 15 but they're they're knocking on the door um considering that we had you on tonight to talk about carolina and the potential for a college football playoff and the potential for a heisman trophy candidate um how how do you think uh mac brown has done recruiting and and how that has impacted kind of where he is in terms of program building four years in I, I think he's done a, a great job recruiting. And, you know, Tommy, I, I know you said you're, you're not sure you're in favor of the expanded playoff, and I, I certainly understand that. And I, I think there's some valid points on on both sides of it. You know, to me, Carolina is probably never going to be in that sort of Georgia, Ohio State, Bama range where they're recruiting 80% blue chips or, or higher, right? 
but they can follow the Clemson model where it's you get some difference makers at some very key positions, defensive line, corner, quarterback, maybe a stud receiver or two, right? Maybe a, a blue chip offensive lineman. And you keep everybody healthy, you develop them, you have good culture, and the quarterback that was a stud recruit, he hits. I mean, that's basically what the Clemson formula was for for about 10 years there under Clemson. I, I think Mac's done a pretty good job. I mean, I, do I have some questions about the defensive coaching? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you got a defense that has a good number of four and five stars on it that I mean, take any metric that accounts for strength schedule, I think. And Carolina is just looking here. Probably the best is like 95th and the worst is like 114th. So you know, to me, like that's not really acceptable given the amount of defensive four and five stars recruited. And typically I will say defensive performance tracks better with recruiting rankings than offensive performance does. You can kind of scheme your way to offense a little bit more than you can scheme your way to defense. I mean, within reasonable limits, right? And so I'd be a little bit concerned about about the the level of performance on defense just compared to how well they've recruited. But if you told me Mac had this team in contention for the playoff, I, I didn't have them going over their win total this year, right? I didn't think that they were going to be that physical in the offensive line. That surprised me. You know, like that's that's been quite good. Uh, so I, I think he's doing a nice job there. Let me ask you a question before I let you get out of here. I've kept you yeah. longer than I say we would, but I asked Mac in his Wednesday presser, um, appearance in the championship or, or appearance in the playoff, Heisman Trophy. And Mac took it as if you're in the playoff, you've got a chance to win it. That's, of course, bigger than the Heisman Trophy. I agree with that. But appearance in the playoff, get to the semifinals versus win the Heisman Trophy, have a player on your school, on your team, win the Heisman Trophy. What's better for a program? I, I'm assuming we're asking about this Carolina team this year. I, I think I would I would take the playoff shot. As, as I mean, do you really think they wouldn't be competitive at all, given that they have Drake and, and, and Downs and, and, and Green and, and a line that's blocking pretty well? I, I think they would – score some points on somebody I, like they may give up 50 but they're not going to score 20 like they'll score <laughs> mid to high 30s right right as jason uh, staple says uh drake may gives you a puncher's chance yeah he does it, it really like jason's right about that dude if you're an nfl team i'm probably get old takes exposed on this if i'm wrong but so be it <laughs> would you rather have drake may or cj stroud like guys drake may is he's a freak show the throws he makes just he plays like within structure enough. And then the stuff he makes when he's just, you know, freelancing, that's not normal. It's some of the throws, like the, the cross body throw he hit against Pitt when he just runs to his left and he just flicks it like 35 yards downfield on a rope. That that's special, man. Uh, I, he's got to be the preseason favorite for Heisman next year. Him and Caleb, I would think, assuming Bryce and CJ go pro. Unless well, I'm missing somebody yeah, here. Somebody will pop up. Somebody yeah, will... but I mean, like preseason favorite wise, it's gonna, like it's going to be those two. I, w- I would assume. Where do you? How do you think? Uh, how do you think Josh Downs is on the next level? He's a little fella, but he's tough. Yeah, I think he's going to do well. I mean, he's just always been like seeing him play for for Tony Seven on team too. He's a guy that I feel like losing matters to him, and I like guys like that. Right? Like I, I like guys when they're not when they're not playing for something they're still pissed off when, when things don't like when, when their team doesn't win. Right. And just some random seven on just trying to get better on, on a weekend. I like guys that, that when it matters to them, if the team they're playing on loses and he, he competes for the ball really well, even though he is small, 
he he like he has good hands. He doesn't have a ton of drops, and he he finds ways to get open too. I, I think he'll do well, guys. Yeah, ask him today. Um, Phil Longo said earlier in the week there are plays where he needs to stay covered. So I asked Josh. I said, "What's it? How do you feel about being a decoy?" Basically, and he <laughs> he don't like it. <laughs> he says his job's to get open, but he understands that sometimes I guess I got to be the decoy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're talking about. 7-Eleven, open all day, open 24-7. I mean, he is unbelievable. Speaking of 24-7, Bud Elliott, CBS Sports, Cover 3. It's a great podcast. If you don't listen to the Inside Carolina podcast every day like you should be, listen to the Cover 3. Those guys are great. Danny Cannell, Tom Fernelli, and Chip Patterson. Got to get more Carolina talk on there, Bud. Y'all got to do it. <laughs> we, 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 we try to get some, and we, we give Chip hell for having the same haircut as Boo Corgan. So... <laughs> The, the the playoff chair, you know that's uh, that is NCAA hilarious. AD. Is it a hair? No, I'm not going there. It's been yeah, I, fun. I was going to pick mm -hmm. on him. <laughs> it is always a pleasure to talk to you, my man. That's Greg Barnes. I'm Tommy Ashley. It's been Inside Carolina's Next Level, sponsored by Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com. We'll be back next week with another special guest. Take care. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com.